Hello, everyone. I'm Warren Smith in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Smith, coming to you this week from Hawaii. And we'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. Every week, Warren and I bring you news about Christian ministries, as well as the latest in charity and philanthropy, all designed to help us become better stewards of the resources God has given us. On today's program, an update on Harvest Bible Chapel and their disgraced pastor, James McDonald. Also in today's program, the coronavirus hits close to home as two well-known pastors have been quarantined after being exposed to the potentially deadly disease. All that and a whole lot more on today's edition of the Ministry Watch podcast. We begin today with a story that's been much in the news this week, and that's the story of the tornadoes in Tennessee. Warren, one aspect of this story that mainstream media has ignored is the extent to which Christian groups have stepped into this disaster. Yeah, you're right about that, Natasha. Several Christian ministers are deploying disaster relief teams to Middle Tennessee after tornadoes hammered uh, that part of the state, Nashville and Cookville areas, the middle part of the state, early on Tuesday, killing at least 25 people over four counties. The Billy Graham Rapid Response Team deployed chaplains on Tuesday to the disaster areas, and Samaritan's Purse sent teams, along with tractor trailers filled with release supplies, to Mount Joliet and Cookville, which is a little east of Nashville. Cookville, in fact, is in Putnam County, where at least 16 people have so far died. Now, what are these volunteer teams doing? Well, according to a statement from Samaritan's Purse, the volunteer teams assist homeowners in clearing trees, debris, and other material from yards and homes, and also placing tarps on damaged roofs so the rain doesn't ruin the rest of the house. And also, of course, they say sharing the love of Christ as we serve in Jesus' name, he said. And who else is on the ground there? Well, at least one more that I know about, Missouri-based Convoy of Hope has deployed its U.S. Disaster Services team to Nashville, carrying disaster relief supplies such as food, water, baby items, and cleanup, and folks that are already there. For example, the Tennessee Baptist Disaster Relief Teams have also responded quickly. Now, I've also heard that individual churches have been responding as well. Yeah, they have. Uh, Tennessee churches are serving as shelters while others are assembling volunteers to distribute the resources and to help victims of the storm. In fact, uh, Mark Davis, who is the director of missions for the Stone Association of Southern Baptists, said that, quote, I'm super proud of our churches. In the face of tragedy, in the face of loss, we still find a way to come together as people and make sure that we're identifying with the body of Christ. Our regular listeners to this podcast will know that last week you were in Nashville and you got out in the nick of time. Yeah, I did get out in the nick of time. Unfortunately, though, some of my friends uh, that live in that part of the state didn't. I want to highlight a couple of quick stories, Natasha. Uh, Eric Peters is a musician. I've been very fond of his music for many years, and uh, his house was almost completely destroyed. Amazingly, Eric and his wife and his two children were not hurt, but uh, it's going to be a long road to recovery for Eric and his family. I'm pleased to say, though, that the Rabbit Room, which is a collective of artists that Eric is a part of, led by Andrew Peterson, uh, has uh, launched a GoFundMe page on behalf of the Peters family. They were trying to raise $60,000, and the last time I checked, they'd raised well over $80,000. So it's just a great example of how God's people are pulling together to help one of their own. also want to mention Katie Hudson and Katie's uh, husband, Kenny Hudson. Kenny is a guitar player. In fact, uh, he plays for the David Crowder Band. He's a touring musician that plays for the 
David Crowder Band. And Katie Hudson is also uh, a writer. And uh, so, some of our listeners that have small children uh, might know the Rain for Roots series of children's albums. Well, that's Katie Hudson and Ellie Holcomb and a few of her collaborators. They weren't uh, hurt in the storm. Their house wasn't damaged in the storm. But uh, the, because they're friends, I emailed them to ask if they were okay. And, and Katie emailed me back to say, yeah, we're doing great, but Kenny can't talk right now because he's got his chainsaw out and he's helping neighbors uh, that have trees fall uh, on their lots as a result of the storm. So another great example of just neighbors helping neighbors and hopefully the Nashville area and all over East Tennessee will be able to put their lives back together soon. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing those stories, Warren, and we'll be in prayer for all the people affected by those storms. Next up, a story of the coronavirus hitting close to home. Yeah, it does hit uh, close to home for a lot of us. I know I'm here in North Carolina. We've already had a case here. I know, uh, Natasha, you're in Hawaii now, but uh, you are usually in Colorado. They've had their first case in Colorado as well. But I wanted to highlight a a couple of pastors uh, from one of the nation's largest churches that are now being quarantined by health officials because they were at a conference in Germany and got exposed to the coronavirus. Craig Groschel is the senior pastor of Oklahoma-based Life Church, and He was a featured speaker at Willow Creek Deutschland, a conference that they put on called Leitig's Congress 2020. Uh, That took place last week in Karlsruhe, which is in southwest Germany, near Aachen, if those of you know your German uh, geography. He attended the meeting with Bobby Grunwald, who is another one of the church's leaders. And at the conference, which had about 7,400 attendees, uh, they had a, a couple of cases break out. So one of the presenters had to go home ill with the COVID-19 virus. Uh, COVID-19, of course, is the disease caused by uh, the coronavirus. And so, you know, now they've got these two pastors back in the U.S., but under quarantine. Warren, you were at the National Religious Broadcasters annual conference last week. Do you think that the coronavirus affected the attendance there? Yeah, I do. Um, There's no question that the attendance was down significantly when compared to previous years. Kenneth Chan, who's a spokesman for the NRB, told me that registrations were at about 3,000 this year. And just two years ago, attendance was more than 6,000. Now, there have been some other issues at NRB that have caused uh, the attendance there to be depressed. But he did say that the coronavirus did keep some of the international travelers from making it to the event. And I think we may see that uh, is the case for lots of events, both Christian and non-Christian. Christian events in the months ahead. Now, are you hearing of other Christian events being curtailed because of the coronavirus? Well, only a few so far. Uh, an annual summer camp that I know about that takes place in China, it usually attracts about 500 Chinese kids, but it's staffed by American Christian teachers who go over there to teach English and teach American culture, but also get opportunities to share the gospel with these Chinese kids. They've had to cancel that event. Um, they think that the coronavirus will maybe be under control by the summer, but Chinese schools are completely shut down right now. So even if if the disease is under control, a lot of these kids are going to have to be going to school and won't be able to go to summer camps. Um, now, I should also mention that there's a big megachurch in South Korea, and it's suspected of contributing to the spread of the virus in that country. Government officials have linked a number of cases in South Korea to the Shinchinji Church of Jesus in that country. Any other fallout from the coronavirus? 
Well, I think that there could be one more important uh, consequence of the coronavirus that we really haven't talked about much, but I think will be an important issue for Christian ministries, and that is this. The number one predictor of giving to charity and philanthropy is the health of the stock market. The stock market has been erratic since the first of the year, largely because of concerns about the coronavirus. So that will almost undoubtedly have a negative impact on ministry giving, at least if the stock market trends continue. Now, Warren, we have to take a little break, but when we return, updates on several stories that we've been covering for the last few weeks. These stories involving Franklin Graham, James McDonald, and Willow Creek Community Church. I'm Natasha Smith coming to you this week from Hawaii. And I'm Warren Smith back home at my home base in Charlotte, North Carolina. And we'll be back after this short break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch Weekly Podcast. Warren, next up is an update on a story we've been following for a couple of months, the story of James McDonald's and his former church, Harvest Bible Chapel. Yeah, disgraced former pastor of Chicago-based Harvest Bible Chapel, James McDonald, has listed his home for sale for $1.9 million, according to documents obtained by investigative journalist Julie Royce. The listing is significant because it's the same home that McDonald was told to buy by his elders when they were concerned about his extravagant lifestyle back a few years ago. Um, Harvest Bible Chapel elders said that McDonald need to make several Several lifestyle adjustments, including downsizing to a smaller home. McDonald told Julie Royce, in fact, in a 2018 interview, that his home was smaller, this new home that he's now got up for sale, than his previously home. Now, his previously home sold for $1.8 million and had about 6,700 square feet. The listing that uh, he has now doesn't give square footage, but Julie Roy's obtained some tax records and found that uh, this home that he's in now is actually larger than his previous home. It's about 6,900 square feet, plus it has a 2,000-square-foot finished basement. Well, that does not sound like downsizing. No, it doesn't. It sounds more like supersizing rather than downsizing. You know, and and normally we wouldn't pick on somebody about the size of their house. But again, McDonald has faced sharp criticism in the last few years for living an extravagant lifestyle, for misuse of church funds. While he was doing so, the church that he pastors had gone deeply into debt. And he had also been making bullying and lewd comments that were caught on Mike. Those eventually all got him fired last year from his role at Harvest Bible Church. And after his ousting, the Christian Post reported that, according to financial statements that they obtained, McDonald had been paid more than a million dollars per year in salary. Now, you've got another update for us, and this one is from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association and their troubles in England. 
Yeah, you know, over the past few weeks, we've been reporting that uh, Franklin Graham was wanting to do some crusades there over the summer, but all the venues had canceled on him. But now the BGEA, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, is taking legal action against at least three of the venues that have canceled. Uh, They're saying that the parties involved broke legally binding contracts. It was originally, as I said, an eight-stop tour known as the Graham Tour, and it was slated to kick off at the end of May in Glasgow, Scotland, and wrap up in London in the beginning of October. But last month, all eight venues had canceled their contracts amid mounting pressure from LGBT groups. Warren, when you published this story on the Ministry Watch website, you got a lot of feedback from people saying that a Christian ministry shouldn't sue. Yeah, you know, we did. And I got emails from people saying that not only should Christians not sue, or that maybe that Franklin Graham should do what Jesus did when he encountered a village that wasn't open to the gospel message. The Bible says that Jesus would shake the dust off his sandals and just move on to the next village. And what would your answer be to that objection? Well, first of all, scripture references about Christians not suing don't really apply here. 1 Corinthians 6 is clearly directed towards Christians suing other Christians, and that's just not the case here. The ground organization is suing venues, businesses, and government entities who they say broke legally binding contracts, and those contracts were broken not for any good reason, such as maybe not paying a bill or some other breach of the terms of that contract. These contracts were broken simply because they didn't like what Franklin Graham had to say about marriage. So it sounds like if they don't fight back, that could create a very dangerous precedent. Yeah, you know, that's exactly what I'm saying. And, you know, also, too, this idea about Jesus shaking the dust off of his sandals is uh, of the villages that didn't receive them. Again, not the case in this situation. Of the eight UK cities that Franklin Graham had planned to visit, There were many churches and Christian leaders who had banded together and were organizing and wanting him to come. His resistance has come from a very small group of LGBTQ activists who were upset that Franklin Graham had been outspoken in support of traditional marriage. So it sounds like you're saying that Christians should not go looking for fights, but we should be people of peace wherever and whenever possible. But... There comes moments when we have to take a stand, not for ourselves necessarily, but for the sake of others. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, Natasha, I don't agree with everything that Franklin Graham does. Ministry Watch, in fact, highlighted him, and not in a positive light, just a few weeks ago when we did our annual salary survey. And because the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association has recently reclassified itself as a church, we're not able to see BGEA's financial statements anymore, so we don't even really know what his salary is from that organization. We think that's a bad decision, but in this case, I think he got it right, and I wish him all the best in his lawsuit against these UK venues. Now, before we take another break, you've got an update on the Willow Creek situation. Yeah, I I do. Wheaton College has now rescinded the title of Professor Emeritus from Gilbert Belazekian after an investigation uh, that began at Willow Creek Community Church into the longtime professor of New Testament's um, behavior. New allegations have surfaced in part because of the Willow Creek investigation over inappropriate and unprofessional conduct by Dr. Belazekian. Now, Phil Riken, who is the 
president of Wheaton, uh, said in a statement on Friday that this is a painful situation in which some of our alumni have stepped forward to share experiences from the past that prompted a wide range of reactions, including anger, hurt, and confusion. Uh, That was what Phil Riken said as he was uh, removing this Professor Emeritus title from Dr. B, as he's sometimes called. Now, just a reminder, Belzecchian retired from Wheaton in 1992, but he's continued to be very actively involved in Willow Creek and other churches. Uh, Both Willow Creek and Wheaton College uh, have are standing by, though, their sanctions against them, even though Belazikian has denied all the charges against him. And um, the key charge against him was came from one woman who said that she was repeatedly sexually abused by Dr. B from 1984 to 1988. Warren, we've got to take another break, but when we return, a story about how Christian ministries are helping in the transformation of a major American city, Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith, and we'll be back after this short break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host, Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast where we unpack stories of Christian ministries in the news, along with other items of interest to help you be a more effective financial steward. Warren, one thing that I find interesting about the Ministry Watch site is all the data that you have about Christian ministries, and not just financial data, but survey data as well. You posted a story this week about turnover of staff at nonprofits. Yeah, this story comes from our friends at the Nonprofit Times, and they found that turnover among nonprofit employees averaged about 12.3% last year. Turnover was highest around 16 to 17% among organizations with budgets between five and $50 million. And that includes a whole lot of Christian nonprofits and churches. There's a lot more great information in this report, and I would encourage all ministry executives and board members in particular, but donors as well, to go to our website and find that story. It's right on the front page, and then hit the link and learn more. Warren, another regular feature of the Ministry Watch website is a good news story, and you post one every Tuesday, but this week was a little bit different. You focus not just on a single ministry, but on an entire city. Yeah, we did. Every Tuesday, uh, we try to feature some ministry doing restorative work in the culture. We feature these so-called shining light ministries because we want to remind ourselves and our readers that not all the news about Christian ministries is bad news. In fact, the vast majority of Christian ministries are quietly and faithfully going about the work of the kingdom, which is to love God and love our neighbors. The stories we've posted here often highlight lives and families transformed, but occasionally 
Additionally, we encounter stories of entire communities, even whole cities, being transformed. And this week's installment is one such story. It's a story of how Christian ministries have been integral to the resurgence of a major American city, Indianapolis. And it was written by a man who had a front row seat uh, to this resurgence. Russ Pulliam, his family used to own the Indianapolis Star newspaper. And even though the family sold the newspaper, Russ has remained a columnist and a longtime activist in the Indianapolis area. He also writes for the Indy Star. It's a great story, and we don't have time to highlight all of the ministries in that story, but Russ featured more than a dozen ministries. Yeah, he did, and we've included links to all the ministries in Russ's story. You know, in the 1700s, Natasha, during the First Great Awakening, journalists wrote that during times of revival, we saw not only souls being saved, but families being restored, brothels and taverns being shut down, and a general uptick in civility and order. And that's one of the reasons why I love this story that Russ did for us about Indianapolis. Uh, This story of resurgence in Indianapolis is sort of a 21st century example of what a lot of cities in New England saw during the Great Awakening. And I think a lot of Christian leaders, and not just Christian leaders, but civic leaders generally, could learn from this story and from what's going on in Indianapolis. Warren, we're getting to the end of our time today, but can you remind us again how to find the financial information about Christian ministries on the Ministry Watch website? Yeah, it's really pretty easy. Just go to the ministrywatch.com site and look for the bright red search for a ministry button at the top of the page. We've got financial information and our own financial efficiency rating uh, for the largest 500 Christian ministries in the country. We rate them from one star to five star, and we encourage people to give more money to the five star ministries and redirect what they may have been giving to the one star ministry. So it's a really quick and easy way for you to tell if your money is being used and the purposes that it's intended. And also, Natasha, as we reported last week, Ministry Watch is now tracking changes to the membership status of the, those in the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. We think the ECFA is an important part of the ministry ecosystem in this country, and donors should know who joins, but maybe even more importantly, who leaves. So we're beginning to bring that information to you each and every week. It's a part of my weekly review column, which we post every Friday. And if you want to know more about the stories we discussed today, or if you want to dig into the Ministry Watch archives and see the hundreds of stories that we have on there, go to ministrywatch.com. And that brings us to the close of today's program. Our producer is Rich Rosel and Steve Gandy. Writers who contributed to today's program include Christina Darnell, Warren Smith, Ann Steich, and Russ Pulliam. I'm Natasha Smith in Hawaii. And I'm Warren Smith, this week reporting from my home base in Charlotte, North Carolina. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch Podcast. Until next week, may God bless you.